Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast. My name is Sam, and I am your podcast host. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries, where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Ways that you can find us on social media. If you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast, you will find us there. On Instagram, our username is Unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is Unshakable underscore one. And that is the numerical value one. For ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, if you are listening this morning, I want to be the first to say welcome to the Unshakable Nation. For other ways, if you will just peruse through the website and just check out what we're doing, check out the About Us page so you'll know what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And if you feel like that these messages are something that someone in your life could use to encourage them, to empower them, to educate them, to equip them, by all means, please share. And by doing so, you have now become a part of the Unshakable Nation. The most important way, and we say this during every episode, at least I hope I do, is through your prayers. We covet your prayers greatly. We ask that you just continue to lift us up, praying that we would be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing, that we would join God where he is already at work, impacting the world one life at a time with the gospel, with the truth of Jesus Christ. Okay, as we dive in this morning, I want to start off by apologizing for the nasally sound. I don't know what it is. I had a cold in January. Then last week, as you know, the episode did not get published. I had a stomach bug. And now, all of a sudden, spring has sprung. Leaves are coming out on the trees, and it is causing my nasal passages major issues right now. I am attempting to exercise the nasal demons right now. But anyway... I want to announce something, and you guys are the first to hear it uh, right here And uh, in, in what I am planning on doing. I'm going to go back and backtrack a little bit. As you know, October the 1st of 2021, we moved the podcast over to, the, to be hosted on the website only, and you had to be registered as a user. However, here's what I want to say. As the user base grows on the website, and we want to continue to encourage that for anyone who is interested and wants to sign up to get the podcast directly from the website, we want to encourage. Here's, here's the thing that, that we're, we're, we're running into, and it's not just about running into, it's something that I really feel led. You know, the one thing that, if you haven't gathered already by listening to these episodes, the one thing that I am truly thankful to God for is that God has emboldened me to be able to speak his word without hesitation, without reservation, without wondering what someone thinks about what I say. And I'm, I am so thankful to God for that because apart from God, I am powerless. I am giftless. I have nothing to offer, but I am so thankful to God for that gift. And, you know, I've decided that what I'm going to do is I am actually going to be publishing the podcast back to anchor.fm. There are a couple of reasons. Number one, there are a few people that are having a couple of issues sharing the episodes directly from the website. Uh, 
and um, I, I don't want there to be a hindrance. We want this to reach as many people as possible. You know, we don't strive for mass adoption of our podcast. That's not what we're doing. You know, our goal is if one life is impacted, then God has done what he was going to do with it. On the flip side of that, if there's someone who hears a message that hits their heart and they want to share it, we want them to be able to share it. And we know that it is much easier when we were publishing it before the way that we were. It's very easy because it goes to your native podcast app on your phone or through Google Podcasts, uh, through um, um, uh, iTunes, through what are some of the others. When you think about some of the other podcast apps, it, it goes to those, right? I'm not, a, I'm not a podcast app nerd, by the way. I just, you know, that's why I don't know all the names of these things. But anyway... So effective immediately, we're going to begin publishing the podcast back to that. Um, we also know that it's ease of use. You know, it's, it's very nice to know and get notified when you're following a podcast through these apps to get those notifications that a new episode has come out rather than continue to go back to the website until we can figure out the RSS feed part of that. And that is something that I'm working on. And I keep saying we as if I have a large team. And in case you don't know, it is just me. I'm the one who does this. Um, I say we because my wife is a part of this ministry with me. She is my support. She is my rock. She is the one who stands behind me while I continue, while I continue to do this. So uh, just bear with me as I continue to try to figure out this RSS aspect uh, of going directly through the website where it would send you a direct feed uh, or direct notification to uh, your your choice, whether it be text or email when a new episode is uploaded. Until that time, we're going to go back and I'm going to put the previous episodes from October all the way until now, four months worth. Man, that's going to take a while to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and then moving forward from this episode, they will automatically be uploaded to um, anchor.fm. And at the same time, I'm also going to upload them to the website for those that would rather go there. So we're going to do it two different ways. So you guys are the first to hear that, uh, that that's what we're doing moving forward as of today until further notice. We're trying to make everything as easily accessible as possible. And sometimes you just can't do that for everyone, but we're trying the best that we can. I'm trying the best that I can. So just please bear with me. Now, as we dig into the teaching this morning, as we dig into what we are going to talk about, my wife Lauren and I have been talking about this a lot, about what's going on right now as we see the current events springing forward right before our eyes, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing. Um, no matter how you feel about that, uh, the one thing I do know is it's lining up with end time prophecies, the way that I see a lot of things happening in the end time prophecy. And we've been talking a lot about this and, um, had a conversation uh, the other day with, um, someone. And as a matter of fact, this is a conversation I've had quite frequently here over the past couple of years. As you know, we've been kind of going through the end time prophecies and looking at a lot of end time prophecies. And I've had a conversation with probably, I would say about 10 different people in the church. And of these 10 different people, they all share the same sentiment is that I am spending way too much time focused on the end time prophecy. And, you know, you have to, I'm a firm believer that God gifts each individual 
uniquely for the purpose that they serve. And I feel like I fell in love and became passionate about end time prophecy uh, a little over 20 years ago now. But here's here's the thing. Um, it, of these 10 people, all 10 have stated that it doesn't matter who or when it's going to happen. As Christians, we have just been given a mission. Okay, absolutely. that That is absolutely true. We have been given a mission, though I think many churches and Christians don't even know what that mission is. I think they completely miss it uh, because so many are wrapped up in, we just need to keep sharing the message of salvation. That's only one aspect of the mission. That uh, That's not the entire mission. That's only one aspect of the mission we've been given. But as we talk about end time prophecies, I stand on this very firmly, and I'm going to talk a little about that this morning because the question has been over the last few weeks is, is hell real or is it metaphorical in scripture is is there some scripture such as the book of revelation that is metaphorical or is it literal so we've been kind of talking through those points to look at the metaphorical aspect of things as i do believe as i said last week that there are scriptures in the bible that are metaphorical in nature however we can't take something that is metaphorical in nature, metaphorical in writing, and turn around and say that that verse is therefore metaphorical in applicability to our lives. That is not the case. I believe every verse in the Bible has a literal context. It has a literal undertone. It has a literal meaning. Every verse in the Bible, though it may be metaphorically written, it is not to be interpreted metaphorically because every verse in the Bible is applicable to our lives in some way as Christ followers. So, yes, I focus on the end times. I study the end times and I study the end times to understand the end times. And the reason I do this is because I am a firm believer, as I've stated in a previous episode, going through Matthew chapter 24, we see Jesus talking about the signs. This is after the disciples have asked him, you know, when will the end come? And we see that Jesus is saying that no one knows the day or the hour, and we should not worry about the day or the hour. Now, those aren't Jesus's words. I just believe as Christians, we should not worry about the day or the hour. That is the thing. We have to be, there's a fine line when talking about and, and, and studying end time prophecy. There are two different extremes in the church. One extreme is we completely avoid it altogether, which is most churches today. There, most churches you walk into will never teach end time prophecy. They will never talk about it. The other extreme is, is you have those that that's all they talk about. And the, the, that extreme tends to create paralysis in the life of a believer and prevents them for, from performing the duties of the mission we have been given as the church. So there's a very fine line in between the two where we are to study and understand the end time prophecies so that we can guard our hearts and our minds against the deception of Satan. Now, if we are going to bury our heads in the sand and say that end-time prophecies do not matter because Jesus is coming back, then we are completely missing the reason that they are written down. We are completely missing that there is a great deception coming. We are completely missing that the church is involved in that. 
in, in that great deception. We're missing all of this stuff because we don't study it to understand it, and we don't then teach that to other believers so that they also understand it. We are called to warn other believers. We are called to warn non-believers of what is coming. So don't misunderstand my discussions and my study of the end time prophecies to mean that I am paralyzed. And much like the disciples in Acts chapter one, I have now stopped and I am looking to the clouds, just waiting for Jesus to come back. No, I've said this before right here on the podcast. We are not to check out. Jesus himself will check us out when it is time. We are to keep our head in the game. We have been given a mission. That mission is to make disciples. That's the mission. Not sharing the message of salvation, period. It's to make disciples. Part of making disciples is sharing the message of salvation, but that's just the beginning of making disciples. We cannot miss this. There is a difference between sharing the message of salvation and making disciples. Most Christians miss this. So we're going to talk about some things this morning as we dig into, is hell real? And in order to determine, is hell real or is it metaphorical, I could come out and show you the verses right now. I could I could go through them right now to show you exactly what I believe, and and why I believe what I believe, because it's written directly in Scripture. But here's the thing, as I've said, if you take Scripture and you say that it's metaphorical, any portion of Scripture is metaphorical, and you avoid that those, those verses, that book, and you cast them to the side and avoid them saying they're strictly metaphorical, then that means you can do that with any portion of the Bible. And you're like, well, no, no, because this this portion is literal. Well, hang on. If you're saying that Revelation is metaphorical and this part is literal, and someone else reads it and says, well, Revelation is literal, but this part is metaphorical, then we're basically determining what we're going to adhere to based on our feelings and emotions, which I've discussed. We must get rid of all feeling and emotion when it comes to following Christ. All feeling and emotion. It's not about whether or not you think something is metaphorical or literal. What we should be doing, as I stated a couple of weeks ago, what we should be doing is we should be reading Studying and understanding scripture as if they are marriage vows, promises, literal promises from the Father, finding the literal meanings, finding the literal context of every verse that we study and read, including up to and including Revelation, the book of Revelation. We should never turn our backs on a verse of scripture or a book of the Bible and say it is strictly metaphorical, therefore we should not adhere to it. Because then you are removing a portion of scripture that is necessary in our lives. When we look at the Song of Solomon, for example, or Song of Songs, whatever your Bible calls it, When we look at this, we understand that this is poetry, right? But he uses a lot of metaphorical language to describe things that he sees while he's writing his poetry. So when you read the poetry of this book, yes, you can absolutely say that that there's metaphorical 
aspects to the writing, but there is a literal context behind it. There is a literal meaning behind it. He is literally describing a person or persons. We cannot miss that. So as we dig in this morning, is hell real? So as we, we talked about this, the church, and I'm using the capital C church here because it is a majority of the capital C church. I'm not saying that it's all churches. I know there are pockets all across the world of, of churches that are not doing this, but a large majority of the capital C church is calling Revelation um, a metaphorical, as well as the end time prophecy. And we've discussed the danger in this. It removes accountability by omission because we omit that stuff. It removes conviction and ultimately allows us to miss the literal outcome and consequences within the context of these scriptures. So, and as I just mentioned, does the Bible contain metaphors, analogies, and poetry? Absolutely. But again, like I said, every time they are used, it describes something with a literal context or meaning. Again, go back to Song of Songs. We cannot believe a portion of the Bible to be true and literal and believe other portions to be outdated or purely metaphorical. It is an all-inclusive writing that comes complete. It cannot be changed. Nothing can be added and nothing can be taken away. Listen, let me be very clear here. And we're about to dive into this verse that I want to break down. But let me be very clear here. If the book of Revelation was not to be used, it would not be there. If it was not to be studied and understood, it would not be there. As other books in the Bible, if they were not meant to be there, they wouldn't be. So let's dig into this verse. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now listen, you might be sitting there saying, Sam, can you just share the verses that talk about the fact that you know, whether hell is real or not, I can, I can do that. But here's the thing. We can't talk about the reality of hell without talking about the reality of what God's word does, the importance of God's word, without talking about the reality of what is expected in the life of a Christ follower, without the reality of talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It can't be all about hell, 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 hell. I mean, I was raised in the dirty South. Like, you know, you could find a church on any corner as I was a child having a revival and they were, what they were doing is they were trying to scare the hell out of people. Yeah, that's literally how they shared the gospel. It was all hellfire and brimstone. And so we, we can talk about hell and we can, we can, we can focus in on the, 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 the reality of behind hell or the metaphorical nature behind hell, we can talk about that stuff, but we can't talk about that stuff without there being a well-balanced message to go along with it. And that message is, you know, what Christ did for us, the hope that we now have in Christ, what is expected of us in following Christ, 
and then also what the consequences are for not following Christ. So we have to understand the whole story in order to understand the context of the end of the story. You can't just read the last page of the book and know what the book is about. Or you can't just read the cover of the book and know what the book is about. Perfect example. I told you guys several months ago, I, I read this book by Bruxy Cavi. I encouraged you guys to go out and get it yourself, purchase a copy. Yeah, it's a thick book, but it's full of so much information. The title of his book, the title of that book is End of Religion. That's the title of the book. Do you know how many people I talked to that told me they would not even open that book because of the title? You cannot read the title of a book and know what's in it. You have no clue. So understand that you can't jump to the end of the story and see hell as metaphorical or as real without understanding the entire context of the whole story. Everything. It's balance. We've got to balance the story. We've got to balance the mission with every aspect of the mission. Who was Christ? What did he do? What does he expect? And what are the consequences if we don't follow through with what he expects? Okay? This is making disciples. That's what it looks like to make disciples. So 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, I want to point out some words here that, that, that are mentioned here from Paul. All Scripture is breathed, all, all Scripture, all. Genesis to Revelation, all Scripture. And I emphasize that because, again, like I said, we can't believe one portion of the Bible to be true and then jump over here and exclude a portion because we think it's metaphorical or outdated. It's either true or it's not. There is no in-between. That reminds me of the, the lukewarm church. We, we want to ride the fence. We want to say, eh, you know, I like this over here, but I don't like this over here, so I'm going to keep this and get rid of that. That's selective Christianity, and that is the Christianity that will be rejected by Christ in the end. We, we don't get to choose how we want to live. I mean, we do, technically. We do have the free will to choose. But when we're saying that we're Christ followers, we become obligated to look like Christ, to mirror him in every single aspect of our lives, in word and in deed. So let's look at these words, all right? All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for what? First teaching comes from the Greek word 1319. And this teaching is with a sense of warning or admonition. So if I study the end times and I talk about the end times, all scripture is profitable for teaching, which means it's all profitable for giving a sense of warning or admonition to someone. That includes the end time prophecy. It is, it is profitable for, the next word is reproof, which comes from the Greek word 1650, and that means conviction. It is profitable for conviction including the end-time prophecies, all Scripture. It is profitable for correction. 18, uh, Greek word is 1882, to make straight or set right again. It's, this correction is to take someone who is going down the wrong path to warn them so that they become convicted and set their path straight again. I want to say something here. I've been told before that I am way too blunt. 
about things. Listen, you have to understand. Yeah, it, you, let me let me say this. The the words that people use with me is yeah, you, you have to do it. You have to do it in love. Listen, I do. It's because I love people that I say things the way that I say them. It's in a direct manner. It's it's not in a hateful manner. It's not in a judge judgmental manner. It is in a direct manner. Christ was very direct in the way that he communicated. Very direct. And I feel like we have an obligation to be direct, not to sugarcoat, water down, or dilute the message of hope in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So when it comes to reproof and correction, if we are watering it down and we are sugarcoating what we say, we are doing them no good. But out of love, we become direct in communicating with them so that we can make straight their path. It is also profitable for the next word, training. The Greek word is 3809, which means education and discipline. It is profitable for educating and disciplining the people of God. Yes, I said that. That's what the Bible says. You know, who are we to judge those outside the church? But are we not to stand and teach and reprove and correct and train and discipline those who are inside the church so that we raise them up to look like Christ? So that not only do they look like Christ, but they will know what Christ looks like. Part of my study of the end time prophecy. Because we have to understand what the, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, what the dragon, Satan, what he is going to do in the end times. Is he is going to manifest himself in a way that, that would mimic the second coming of Christ, and many will be deceived. Do you think he's going to be standing there with horns and a pitchfork? Absolutely not. He is going to appear as an angel of light, deceiving many, even many who think they are Christ followers, and they will think he is the Christ because he will present himself as the Messiah, doing many miracles and wondrous signs. And if we don't even know what our own Messiah we claim to follow looks like, how in the world will we know the difference between him and Lucifer? We must train people. We must educate people. We must warn them, reprove them, correct them, educate them. That is, that is the mission. That is what making disciples looks like. It's hard to make disciples. That's why we don't see many churches across the world doing it today. Because it's tough business. People don't want to be reproved and corrected they don't want to be warned. They don't want to be educated and disciplined when they step outside the expectations Christ has for us. That's why it's hard. That's why I said, uh, I believe it was last week, what, that's, that's why many of his disciples departed because they said his teachings are hard. So carrying his teachings to our fellow man and holding them accountable to those teachings and those commandments is difficult business. It's a difficult mission. That is exactly why Jesus said, narrow is the road that leads to life and few find it. But wide is the path to destruction and many go that way. The life of a disciple is hard. The life of training up and making more disciples is hard. 
It's not going to be easy. It was never meant to be easy. So we look at what all scripture breathed out by God, what, what it is profitable for us, teaching, reproof, for correction, for training. Training in what? Training in righteousness. The Greek word is 1343. And this means internal uprightness with regard to God's divine law, doing the will of the Father, which is becoming like Christ in character and in action. It's setting aside our own desires to follow Christ. What did Jesus say? If anyone desires to come after me, he must what? First deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's part of the mission to be a disciple of Christ. It's, it's, that's the infancy stage is learning how to set yourself aside to say, Christ, I am yours. I belong to you and I am here for your mission, regardless of how difficult it is or what it costs me. Know the cost of following Christ. And it says, so that the man of God may be complete comes from the Greek word 739, lacking nothing in terms of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding the precepts of God. That's what it means to be complete, that we lack nothing in terms of wisdom and knowledge and understanding the precepts of God, what God requires of us, what he expects of us, what he did for us, how we are supposed to act, think, and speak. This is a complete Christian. It's someone who understands the cost of following Christ, and it's someone who commits to it anyway, regardless. It is someone who knows what it means to be in obedience to the commands of Christ. They are complete, lacking nothing, because they know that their hope is secure in Christ, that this world can do nothing to them to harm them. The world cannot rob me of my eternity. I don't care what the world does to me. I am securely in the hand of the Father because of the sanctifying blood of Jesus Christ. It is to Him that I owe everything. So who am I to tell Jesus how I want to live my life and expect Him to cave and compromise with my way of life when he has already given everything for me. I am no one apart from Christ. And it says, so that they may be complete and equipped for every good work. What does equipped mean? It comes from the Greek word 1822. It means to bring to completion in full preparedness. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable to bring to completion in full preparedness the man of God. That's what it's for, all scripture. So when we're asking the question, is hell real or is it metaphorical? We must understand all scripture is breathed out by God. It is there for a reason. That reason is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be, may be complete, equipped for every good work. We are not disciples of Christ without all scripture. 
So as we dig into this, I hope that you understand what I'm trying to say here. Let us not set aside one verse because we don't like it. Let us find people to put into our lives that have no problem teaching us, giving us warning, have no problem reproving us, have no problem correcting us, educating us, and disciplining us. Because this is what brings about the righteousness in the life of a Christ follower, is having those people who will speak directly to you without holding any punches. I told someone the other other day, I said, you know, I said, the thing for me is this. I said, when it comes to figuring out where I want to plant myself and my family in, in a faith community, I need someone who is going to step on my toes. I need someone who is going to look at me and say, Sam, I've been watching you and you know what? You don't look like Jesus. And here's where you don't look like Jesus. And you need to straighten this out. You need to make straight your path. That's what I want in my life. And it's not only what I want in my life, it's what I need in my life. Why? So that I can be trained in righteousness so that I can be complete and fully prepared. You can't be fully prepared if you are unwilling to listen, to study, to understand, to discuss with other believers all Scripture. All Scripture is necessary. It is there for a reason or God would not have put it there. God would not have wasted His breath on something that was not profitable and applicable in the life of a Christ follower. End of story. Father God, we love you and we thank you so much, God, for who you are. God, we thank you for your, your word that you, that you breathed out. We thank you for these scriptures, God, that you gave us, God, to give us everything that we needed to be taught, to be reproved, to be corrected for training in righteousness that we may be complete and fully prepared in Christ. So that when the end times do come, God, we will know the difference between Satan and our Jesus. So that we will know what not to fall for. So that we will not be deceived. We must guard our hearts and our minds. And the only way to do that is through all Scripture. So that we know what's coming. We recognize what's coming because you gave us the information. It's right in front of our face. Teach us. Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge so that we may be true disciples of Christ. Father, thank you for what you are doing and what you are going to do. God, I pray that you make us as a people unshakable. And we will give you the glory and you the honor and you the praise in Christ's name. Hey guys, I love you. And until next time, remain unshakable.